Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today I will be sharing my interview with Lexi Greenberg. Lexi lives in Virginia and currently works with individuals with traumatic brain injuries. She earned a bachelor's degree from Illinois State University with a major in human development and family science and a minor in children's studies. She also holds a provisional certified family life educator credential from the National Council on Family Relations. We met through Facebook when her former professors from Illinois State University, Dr. Tammy Harple and Dr. Bill Anderson, shared a post about the podcast. Side note, I went to the University of Alabama for grad school and was there at the same time as Bill Anderson, so small world and roll tide. In this episode, Lexi shares the story of how she found the field of family science, her educational experiences, and her professional experiences so far, including a recent promotion. Without further ado, here is her interview. So thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Lexi. Yes, I'm so excited to talk. I can't wait to hear all about your story, so we'll go ahead and get into it. So just to begin, can you tell me a little bit about how you discovered the HDFS major in the first place. So you majored in human development and family science at Illinois State University. How did you get into that? Yeah, um, so, I, so I am from Bloomington, Illinois. I um, born and raised there, right where ISU is. Um, so it kind of was a given that I was going to ISU. I mean, not really, but I ended up going there. And I actually, I didn't, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to work with people, maybe kids. I don't know. (laughs) And so I joined, I um, was admitted into ISU with a major of elementary education. And I got through first semester, freshman year, and I was taking a gen ed class on biology that was geared for education majors. And we had to do a lesson plan. And I was like, ooh, I don't think this is for me. (laughs) I, I. It was just like, I don't really like learning about like this biology. I can't imagine teaching it. So I talked to my advisor and my advisor had actually graduated from the HDF program at ISU. And she told me about all about the major. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. This sounds perfect. So then I um, applied for the major. I actually have a children's studies minor too. Excuse me. And um, because it was like whatever time it overlapped with the major and with the admission time to the to switching your major it was a little bit off I couldn't switch right away so I worked on the children's studies minor and then I did the HDFS major okay and so what was your experience like with your HDFS classes um like kind of you know uh, what do you remember about your experience in the program yeah Um, um honestly could not be more positive. I could talk about this major all day. I think it is the greatest (laughs) thing ever. I think it is like a hidden treasure that everybody, I don't know. I feel like it's something that a lot of people don't know about, but then you start talking about it and it's like, oh my gosh, all this makes sense. I really loved how there were so many different broad classes. Like there was, there was a large horizon of classes making the major really broad but then you can focus on certain electives to focus on more things like certain things that you want to focus on I mean I don't know I assume it's similar at other universities but at least where we were you could focus on development if you wanted to or like I did the um, CFLE track so I made sure I took the classes to have the provisional CFLE um, accreditation and so I just 
I really liked how there were there was a wide variety of what we were learning about. I loved how it all applied to families. I loved how everything was application based. Um, like you can learn something in the book, but it's really applied to families and applying it in projects that makes you that helps you learn. At least that's how I learned best. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally see that. Um, and I agree that it's um, definitely a hidden treasure. It's one that I didn't know much about when I was in college. Somebody mentioned it to me in passing, and I didn't really pursue it. Um, yeah. I ended up pursuing it as a graduate student. And I'm like, wow, like, yeah, I just love this. Um, the so, uh, so yes, the CFLE track. So you hold a provisional certified family life educator credential, and that's a credential from the National Council on Family Relations for anybody who's interested in that. You can go to ncfr.org to learn more about that. But um, it, it just basically demonstrates competency in 10 areas, and, um, and then you have a set number of hours in which you're working in family life education as well. Yes. And so... While you were in college, did you do anything else besides go to classes? Like, did you work or volunteer or intern? Yes. Okay, what, so, tell, tell me about what you were up to. <laughs> um, so, well, probably the biggest thing is I was actually in marching band all four years. Oh, good. Um, what did so you I, play? Um, the flute. I was, and then I was section leader junior and senior year. So that was a huge, huge part of my life. Yeah. But um, I... So that was really fun. I mean, it's not related to the major, but it still was really fun. Um, and then I also worked for the College of Nurse, also not related to the major, but I feel like it's still, I was using, I don't know, I felt like the thing about family and consumer science that I think is so cool is I feel like everybody's life can connect to it in some way. Yeah. Like, literally anything you're doing it can connect so that is just I could I could rave about it all day I think it is like the coolest thing but I worked for the College of Nursing I was a student worker I was I answered phone calls talked to people interested in the program prospective students and I did a lot of office work and communicating with students and stuff um, and I did that for since second semester freshman year through senior year so I held that job for a while, so I got to know the system pretty well. But even like, even though it wasn't an HGFS position, I felt, I feel like just with communicating with other people and recognizing how people are feeling, if they're upset, they didn't get into the program or I don't know. I just, it all applied, honestly. And I learned yeah. a lot. Yeah, um, definitely. It's definitely interdisciplinary, I feel. As yeah. Well. Like, I mean, it connects to so much. For sure. And then senior year, I was a student ambassador. I think maybe at the end of junior year. I don't exactly remember. It was it feels like forever ago. But I was a student. <laughs> I was a student ambassador for the Family Consumer Science Program at Illinois State. So basically, you're nominated by a professor, and then you um, you're nominated, or you can be like, "Hey, I'm interested in this," and then they can nominate you. But you talk to prospective students about family and consumer science um, and kind of tell them what it's all about because like at my high school we didn't have family and consumer science programs so I know a lot of students are familiar with the term family and consumer science because they had it in high school but I didn't so I had no idea what it was mm. and um, I so I was able to tell 
them about that, tell them about the different programs, tell them what I love about it. Um, and then I also was a teaching assistant for FCS 100, which that's like what the class is called. It's like, I can't remember exactly what the name of it is, but it's basically fundamentals of family and consumer science. It's like an introductory class that freshmen take um, to get introduced to the field. Yeah, and I was a um, teaching assistant for that for more than one semester. And um, so I also talked to a lot of students in there about it. I just, if anybody wanted to talk about HDFS, I was there for it. <laughs> cool because you were I really able to love be it. a teaching assistant as an undergraduate. That's really neat. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and the first, like the first semester I did it, I attended, so it was a new class. Um, and it was, at first they were like, we don't know if this is going to work. So I took the first semester of the class and then um, they asked me back as a teaching assistant. So then since I had just attended the class, I didn't have to attend it every day. I just kind of attended certain days um, and then like helped with grading and I'd come and talk and stuff like that. So it was, it was cool. And then we actually ended up doing, <laughs> I ended up doing a side-by-side -side research thing about um, FCS 100 for the AAFCS conference. What's that the AASCS conference? Oh, American um, Association of Family Consumer Science? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, so we did, I didn't go to that conference, but I helped, I made the poster and I did the research and then the professor was presenting it that I was working with. So that kind was like cool. on the effectiveness of the course. Yeah. And that, yes. And kind of, because they wanted to present it to everybody else as a possibility to have a course like that. Okay. I think. Um, and then I also did, this is the last thing I think, but I also did my senior year. I did a, I don't remember what it's called, but it was like a, it was like a research thing, but it wasn't based on like actual quantitative research. It was I did it on the interdependence theory. I don't know if you're, I'm sure you're familiar with that, but mm, not if, that familiar. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, essentially it's, um, it connects with the cohabitation effect and it kind of, well, okay. I guess this is different because you're not from ISU, but Dr. Anderson, it was this class called enduring. No. I think it was enduring couple relationships with couples and families uh -huh. or it was, I think it was something like that. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm rusty. It's been a hot minute. Oh, no, but no, 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 no. It was, it, it was, they're going to listen to this and be like, well, that wasn't the class, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's fine. It was with Dr. And it was with Dr. Anderson and it had to do with the cohabitation effect and the idea that when you, when you live with somebody, um, prior to marriage, you, there's this thing called the interdependent theory where you kind of weave in and out in in a relationship it's the idea that one person cannot be that both individuals in the relationship are not going to be at their high point at once so like basically you go through highs and lows and 
Um, it's kind of like a rope, like weaving in and out because somebody, one person in the relationship might be having something super great. And then um, the other person may ha be ha going through something tough, but then you work together to become stronger and make the weaves of the rope stronger. And it, I just connected that theory to the idea that if you live together before you're married, then you're able to build that relationship even stronger than you would because you have already essentially been through things prior to like yeah so like prior to that um marriage commitment like you've already for the for the cohabitators who remain together you know for a significant amount of time like they've already presumably had to like help each other through highs and lows and difficult situations maybe and yes. maybe learn a little bit more about each other yes so okay. then you're growing your relationship and i have this whole diagram it probably makes i should have looked at this before i didn't oh, no, think about no, it no 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 you but, don't um, have to get far down into the theory but yeah <laughs> but it, i i like created this diagram i was basically just saying that these two things can connect and it was really interesting and i was super into it and it was really fun so yeah, but, you were super busy so you had this research so this research project related to cohabitating couples you also assisted with a research project that was assessing the introductory course along yes. with the faculty who were teaching that it was kind of a, a, a new course to the program you yes. also were an ambassador for the department telling yes. people about the programs in the department and so um yeah age the field uh, you know with this major and other majors like at hdfs they can end up in a lot of different departments and our in our college, for instance, where I work, it's in the Department of Psychological Health and Learning Sciences. Okay. Yeah, but in yours, it's in the Family Consumer Science Department. That's a really common one for it to be into. And so, yeah. The um, but so you worked at the department level, which is always, I think, a cool experience for students to be involved, um, kind of at the at the higher level, you know, um, so that they're seeing something that's going on besides just going to class. You know, they're also like seeing, you know, um, things that are going on at the department level or college level. So you did that and yeah. you were in marching band and you were yeah. working for the nursing school. Yeah. So you were busy and you were, uh, you were um, collecting a lot of good experience there for sure. Um, yeah, you know, you read all that back and it kind of sounds like a lot, but it did not really feel like, it did not feel like as much as you just like, named back i guess i was just used to it since i was working since freshman year and then i just added things on i guess i don't yeah. know well i made it through it was great yeah, <laughs> I had a good well, experience absolutely i mean and then did you did you all have to do like interning or, or were you able yes okay um i like? did it yeah i did it this the professional practice i did it the summer before senior year and I worked, I don't know if you guys have Easter seals down there, but we I worked do. for, yeah, I worked for uh, local Easter seals um, in Bloomington. It was me and one other girl from our major. And um, we worked side by side, the development director, and we basically helped, it had this fundraiser called Walk With Me, and we helped set up the um, fundraiser for that. Um, it was not as I learned a lot. It was more so the business aspect of a like office work of a nonprofit of setting up a right. fundraiser and it wasn't as hands-on as I, I don't know. I didn't really know what I wanted, but I figured out after that that I wanted to be more hands-on. Yeah. I mean, I didn't 
I didn't dislike it. I, I still learned a lot, but I was just like, yeah, I think I, I don't want to do fundraisers for a living and I just want to be more hands-on, but so that's what I did for my professional practice. Um, and then were you going to ask me another, I was just going to start talking about what I did after that. Oh, I'd love to hear that. I was just going to clarify okay. for people who are listening to Easter Seals, they, um, raise money and provide services for people with disabilities and their families. And so, yeah, yeah, like there is that, I mean, I think that that's a great point that you point out the fact that like there are multiple sides of these agencies. And so, yeah, yeah. we're more on the business side, the development side, the fundraising side. Yeah. So it's very different. It's kind of a very different experience than being right. you know, on the direct contact side. And so, yeah, no, but no, please go ahead and tell me what you did after that. Yeah. I was just going to add one more thing, which, it is been like I still feel like this degree was beneficial for that internship because whenever you have the background information about children and families, I feel like it adds a different input than someone with like a business degree doing mm -hmm. the um, doing the internship job or doing that kind of work. Um, but it's just a unique kind of perspective that you can provide. Um, so it definitely is still like it's it's possible. It's just not personally what I wanted. Um, so then I went into my senior year and I um, was dating and am still currently dating um, a friend from high school that he's in the Navy. Uh -huh. And um, that's how I ended up in Virginia. So I graduated and I was, I still want to get a master's degree. I don't know if I want an MSW or what. I'm still trying to figure it out. But I originally was going to go straight through but then I was like long distance was not being my friend and so I was just like I can't do this anymore I'm moving to Virginia so I moved out here no job new just him um moved out here right after graduation um and I got a job at a counseling place I was a client care coordinator basically answered phones checked in clients did co-pays stuff like that um which my experience from the nursing school really helped me and I still felt like my degree applied to that because I understood what people were going through when they'd be on the phone like hey I really need a counseling appointment or hey like I'm going through this and I could empathize with them um however it was not the greatest I mean I just wasn't it was just a startup job here um and it wasn't deeply in my career so um, I ended up applying for jobs one day, and my I saw this place called the Denby House. It's a clubhouse for individuals with brain injuries, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I really didn't know anything about it. I applied for it. They had asked in the application. It was like an Indeed quick apply. They had asked in the application, do you have experience with brain injury? And my grandma had actually um, acquired a, a brain injury in high school she had fallen and ended up having a stroke and she had a traumatic brain injury so I worked with her a lot and so I did have experience in it so then they called me right up and I interviewed and two weeks later I or like a week later I had the job two weeks later I started so um basically a little bit about I know brain injury clubhouses are not I mean, I had no idea what it was. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of mental health clubhouses before. Have you ever heard of that at all? I don't think, not that term, mental health clubhouse. And okay, no. it might not be called a clubhouse, but basically um, we go along that same model. But a brain injury clubhouse is essentially um, 
I work with individuals over the age of 18. Well, I did when I had that job. I have a different job now, but it, they all connect. So um, I worked with individuals over the age of 18 that either had like a traumatic brain injury or an anoxic brain injury. They just had to have a brain injury diagnosis. And the clubhouse is, a, is in a day program setting, not like a daycare. It's not an adult daycare. That's not what it is. Okay. Um, it's more so giving, helping them obtain the skills that they need to get back into work and live independently um, post-injury. So it's scheduled like a work order day. So it's like the program hours are like 9.30 to 3.30. We have three different units, a kitchen unit where they can learn how to cook. They can learn how to clean. It's like structured day schedule. Like, oh, who wants to clean the bathroom? Who wants to do this? Who wants to water the flowers? Who wants to cook the meal? Um, and then so they work on um, skills in the home in there. And then I worked for the communicate. I was the coordinator for the communications unit where they can work on typing and talking on the phone. Like when you call the clubhouse, a member, we call them, they're, mem not, they're not like patients or clients, they're members because it's, it's their clubhouse. So they'll call and if you call them, a member will answer. So an individual with a brain injury will answer. And um, we put out a newsletter and so they wrote about things that were going on we planned social programs every month um, it's a very loaded job and it's kind of hard to explain so I, I don't know if it, this is making any sense but it makes total um, sense they're like working on yeah rebuilding skills after injury right I think you mentioned you mentioned the age range what, what was the age range again uh, just over the age of 18 over the age of 18 and about how many people were in each clubhouse? So within the Denby house, there are like three units, but it's all the same clubhouse. Okay. So the Denby house is like a building. And within the building, there's like a kitchen. There's an area for the communications unit. And then there's another unit called the advocacy and outreach unit. And they work on um, educating others about brain injury and doing the social media stuff. So it's all within the same clubhouse. There's like... Uh, don't nobody I don't want anybody to quote me on this but I think there's like 13 brain injury clubhouses across the country okay. um and so it's just a day program setting where individuals can go and gain skills that they didn't have before um we work closely with agencies here like commu uh, the community services board which can help with mental health services and uh, medicaid waivers and stuff like that and then we also work with, it's this company called, or it's this organization called DARS, Department of Aging and Rehabilitation Services. And they help a lot with getting individuals with disabilities into work. Um, so we, if someone is interested in working, we could, we put them on this um, path and kind of evaluation to help them get back into work. Um, because like, think about it. If you, or someone or know somebody and they have this life-altering injury they suddenly can't move half of their body they can't move a hand they can't they are, they're in a wheelchair or they um have to relearn like all almost everybody who has a brain injury i mean every injury is different but most of the time right after the injury they have to relearn how to talk walk eat like they have to learn how to do everything so wow. then it's like you're you're in a place where like, let's say you had a job, but then now you can't work that job anymore. So now what? Where do you go? Like, yeah. it's, 
it's intense and it's it's something that I never thought about before but it's this really really awesome program and I learned so much um on top of like being a unit coordinator and planning the communications unit you know monitoring tasks oh we also had a snack bar where they would sell snacks so they could run like inventory if they wanted to work at a food place and they do like cashier stuff um but if i wasn't doing that we also have case management each unit coordinator is assigned certain members to help connect them to community resources so not like full case management but like case management um and so i did that and then a, a few months into working there, they our organization was able to get funded for a full-time case manager down in the area that I'm working in. Um, so I work in the Newport News area. Um, it's in Virginia. It's like an hour away from Virginia Beach. It's like an hour and a half away from Richmond. Um, it's an area. It's like Newport News, Hampton. There's like a few towns that I serve. Okay. Um, so they had case management in Richmond, but they didn't have it down here. And so when they had it down here, um, they hired an individual and he worked for us for a while. And then um, the position ended up opening up um, at the towards the beginning of this past year. And I would, I had been with the organization for a year because I started in November, 2018. Um, so then it was 2020 now and they were like, Hey, like they opened it up. Um, they opened the job up for everybody in the organization and they're like, Hey, I think you would be really good at this. And, um, because I guess I'm jumping all over the place a little bit, but my job now, I'm sorry. My no, job no, now is, my, so I was a unit coordinator at the Denby House, and now um, the company that I work for is Community Brain Injury Services. So Community Brain Injury Services is like the umbrella company for organization for the Denby House. And then now I'm a case manager for Community Brain Injury Services. So it's the same company, and I still work closely with everybody that I worked at with the Denby House, but I more so focus on intense case management, finding um, individuals with brain injury housing, connecting them with Medicaid, helping them with insurance or Medicare, really any type of community resources that they may need to be connected to, um, I help connect them to. And then okay. face-to-face visits and home visits and stuff like that. Um, it's something that I never, ever honestly thought that I would do or thought that I would be good at, but I had a, my foot in the door with case management at the Denby house and I did some of it. And I guess I did a good job because everybody was like, wow, we think you would be really great at this. And it kind of took that for me to learn that I would be good at this. And so here I am. I absolutely love it. Um, I have learned so much. I feel like my degree and human development and family science has helped so much because although we didn't focus a lot on individuals with disabilities, I had experience um, from my grandma having a brain injury and then I just learn as long as, as, as I go. But I mean, learning about different couple relationships, family relationships, crisis situations, um, literally all of the classes that I had in my HGFS degree have helped. Like we had this one class that was about something about resources in the family. So we had to develop like a budget and for like cars and for food and all this stuff. 
And, um, Oh, was it like a resource, like financial and resource management class? Yes. Yes. And, um, so we had to budget for a family. And I mean, even though, I mean, I liked the class at the time, but I didn't know that I would use it, but I mean, I still do now because I, everybody, almost everybody that I work with is receiving, um, social security, either, um, social security disability or just social security. And that, so they have, basically that's their only income. So they, I have to help them budget. And I mean, I'm not super good at math, not super good at all the business stuff, but I still have that experience from HGFS that has helped me. Yes. And so when you were at the Denby house, like, so yeah, you basically were able to be at the, the Denby house for about a year working in the unit coordinator position. And that's the position where you were kind of, for the most part, working in a group setting um, where there would be like a group of members in the clubhouse and they would be basically relearning lots of different tasks related to yes. living on their own and working. Yes. Uh, like uh, roughly how many people would be in this clubhouse at a time during the day, would you say? How many? Um, it depends on the day of the week. Total, we have like 40 something active members, but they don't attend every week. Um, I think the most regular day, um, like weekly, the average was like 15 or 17 on the biggest day. So I'd have anywhere from like two people to seven people in my unit, but it it was a very like high pace. Like I, I never thought, like, I can't, I don't even think, I don't think anybody can understand how, how many things are going on in this job until you hold it because there's like people needing help. There's people that there's someone needs help with a crisis. Somebody wants to talk. Some, I don't know. It was just very hectic and, there was a lot going on, but it, it helped me a lot with time management. It helped me a lot. I just learned a lot, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. During the, and so that was during the day and you worked that pretty much Monday through Friday it was kind of standard work hours, would you say? Yeah. Okay. Um, so the program was open for members nine to three thirty, but we worked before and after that. So we staff would work. Okay. Okay. Um, and so you're very much in this. Okay. And so you were in that group setting, but then you also started to get some case management. So kind of like more one-on-one resource referral, connecting people yes. with community resources there. And then yes. that opens up. So you're already in one job that you had no clue about, <laughs> um, but you, you, know, you kind of take this experience with your grandmother and you take this move to a different state and you just open your options and end up in something that you really enjoy do a good job at that. And then it opens the jo- the door to something else that you know, nothing, <laughs> knew nothing about before. Yeah. You know, like you didn't know that that job existed on um, this particular case management for, um, what did you say is the umbrella service, the community, community brain injury services, community brain injury services. And so that you began that job this past February, I think. Yes. You told yeah. me before. Okay. So you've been in that job for a couple of months now. And that's when you're really getting to the more intensive, I guess, one-on-one helping people like reconnect and rebuild their lives, connect them with all the different resources that they need. I mean, you're like launching, kind of relaunching people into the community. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, that's the goal to get them set up with community, like at least in case management, like at the Denby house, they can, they're a lifetime member. Like if they get into work, then they can show up once a month they can show up 
whenever like they're they'll always be accepted as a member but with case management it's a little bit different because we're just trying to connect them with the resources and kind of set set them free they're welcome to call us at any time and we can help them um but we just want to connect them and keep them in the community as long as possible because i mean without these kinds of services in place it's unfortunate to say but it's possible that a lot of individuals would end up in nursing homes just because they don't have resources. I mean, there's physical therapy, there's um, speech therapy, there's all those different kinds of therapy, but then what, af what happens after that? Like what happens when you get thrown into the community? Now what? Like right. your world is flipped upside down and it's so important to have re um, resources in place. So it's pretty cool to be able to help with that. Yeah, y'all are like the network that pro provides yeah. like this. Well, it helps to launch and then also provides this safety net. How long, I, I know you said every case is different. Um, I guess on average or, or what would you say is the range of how long you work with an individual to try and get them connected? Like over, how long do you, would you say that that takes um, before you um, kind of close the case? It, depend, it depends on what they need. Um, I mean, I'm pretty new to this, so, and they were, they're kind of switching services before it was long-term case management, um, where they would just keep, I mean, because you can always find something that you can help someone with, like, I mean, it, there there's always something, like, oh, if you're connected to all of your community resources, how can we make your quality of life better? Like, there's always something, so it kind of just depends. So, we have to develop individualized service plans um every three months for each individual that we serve that was the same at the denby house so i got experience writing service plans completing goals communicating with service providers in the area things like that um and it's the same with this current job case management um so it kind of just depends we kind of take it by every three months if they don't have any more goals then we'll put on a, on a follow-along status which means we follow up every we do a plan every six months instead of every three months Okay. It just kind of depends on the situation. Um, if they just need one thing, like if they just need help with food stamps, then we might not open them. We might just put them on a consult status. And it just kind of depends. I mean, we're not going to throw them out into the wild if they still need help and they still fit the criteria to be served. It sounds like you get like a lot of variety. Like this is, yeah. And, and you work, this is, again, you're working pretty much Monday through Friday, like a typical workday schedule, would you say? Yes. Yeah, so case management is a little bit different. One more thing I wanted to add. So I do have shared clients right now with the Denby house. So there's like probably 10 clients on my caseload right now that are also members of the Denby house. So they're also being served by unit coordinators of the Denby house. They're also, they, before coronavirus hit, they were attending the clubhouse regularly. So um, I had already known them and built rapport with them prior to this, to getting the case management job. But we just kind of, it's just a note to say that we work together. Like that's just something, like I work together with the Denby house to help serve clients. Our case, it's everything is changing because of COVID. But um, before all of this hit, the typical workday, um, I can kind of create my own schedule, which is really nice. Um, I decide, like I work from a home office, so, but I ironically was not here very much because we would help transport clients to appointments. So we would attend medical appointments and help advocate for them if they needed it. Um, so the schedule would kind of start by putting 
medical appointments on my calendar if clients needed me to be there um, and then kind of going from there scheduling we have to make face-to-face contact with each client once a month so um, there might be a doctor's appointment for one part of the day then I go to someone's house and do a face-to-face visit um, may do some paperwork may drop by the Denby house to see someone it just every day is different honestly and they go by really fast I'm very thankful I have a really awesome co-worker team. I'm the only case manager in this area, but under the same company, Community Brain Injury Services, there's two other case managers in Richmond, and they're really awesome, and they've both been doing this for a really long time, so they've been able to give me tips on how to stay organized and stay on top of things. So basically, I was out in the field Monday through Thursday doing appointments, doing face-to-face visits doing paperwork in between here and there. And then every Friday I block off just for paperwork to if that's like filling out a Medicaid application or filling, applying someone for an apartment or creating an ISP or catching up on case notes. Um, so Friday I would be at home in my home office and I just do paperwork, which is really nice because I can just catch up on everything that has happened in the week because it is pretty paperwork heavy this job is because you have to report everything that you do have to upload consents upload any any faxes any emails that you have with anybody um so it is important to be able to stay on top of the paperwork and it definitely takes a lot of organization as well but i feel like that my job at the denby house really really helped me with this because i had some knowledge of brain injury like in a day-to-day setting where some people will come like yeah i was a case manager for the id population um or i was a case manager for the mental health population well yes it's all a human services field but brain injury is so different and a lot of people with like there will be some individuals with brain injury that have multiple things going on they may have a mental health disability as well or a, develop, a developmental disability as well. And it's just, it affects so differently. It's its own category that you don't know about until you're in it, honestly. What would you say is like your favorite part of your current job um, as a case manager? Interacting with the clients, like face-to-face. I think it's really cool to see them grow, to see them see all the progress that we can make. I mean, I haven't been in this job too long, but I have gotten a lot of things done in the short time that I have been here. Um, I mean, in quarantine or not, we still get stuff done. It's really cool to like, like there was one person that was waiting to get hooked up with food stamps for like almost a year. And I was able to connect him super fast and he was just like so happy. So it's just, Sometimes it's, it's, it definitely is stressful at times because sometimes if a, if a client is feeling stressed, then it, it kind of gets put onto you. And so it's important to figure out how to balance that. But I, I'd say my favorite part is interacting with the clients and seeing a difference being made because it actually, I can actually see my job, that my job is meaningful and doing something. Yeah, you're making a difference in people's like everyday lives. You're improving the quality of their life. If there's somebody, a student or somebody who's like looking to change professions, if they're interested in entering that field, what words of wisdom or advice would you offer to them? I would just tell them to understand that every brain injury is different. And in any experience that I've had in any job I've ever had, I would just say ask a lot of questions. Um, 
I learn best by asking questions. I know everybody learns differently, but everybody's different. Every situation is different. And the human services field, I'm not going to lie, it has been way harder than I ever imagined that it could be way more stressful. I've been super stressed out at times, but it's worth it because making a difference, I am learning and somehow, some way, even if you don't feel like you are, you always rise above it in some way and it gets figured out. So, um, I don't know. You just got to try things out and figure it out as you go. That's what I'm doing. I literally came here and I did not have a job, but here I am. So Yes. Yeah. Just jump right in and get your feet wet. And yeah, so much comes from experience. And I think that's why so many businesses and organizations, they really value experience. I'm sure like, well, you've already referenced it, all these different experiences that you had in college, like kind of gave you some skills that you've been able to build on even more on the job by getting more on the job experience. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I feel like it was really hard, something that I didn't realize. And I don't know if I don't know. I just didn't fully realize that how hard it is to like find a job after graduation. Like I, I was blessed because I was able to, I mean, I got a job to keep me for a while and then I, I got this in November, but, um, so many places want, yeah, two years of experience. Okay. Well, I don't have any experience. I just graduated. So I think it's important to do as much as you can during undergrad. I mean, I wasn't as as involved in the student organizations as I may have wanted to. I I would attend meetings here and there, but um, I know some people get really, really involved in those, but I'm I'm still proud of of what I was able to do with being the student ambassador and and doing it and um, being TA and doing research and stuff. I would, another piece of advice for students, I would say talk to your professors at least at my, the program that I was in, um, professor's doors were always open. And if you just like talk to them and use their wisdom because they know what's up, they, they know what they're talking about. And, um, I feel like most professors in this field are really nice and understanding. And so just be open and honest with them and get to know them. And because I mean, I'm friends with my professors now on Facebook and it's, cool because we get to stay in contact and do things like this otherwise I would have never known about this yeah yeah no I'm so glad I mean I think everything you did so much in school like yeah I I, I know you can't do everything that you want to do but yeah. you still got so much experience but you hit on something I call that experience trap <laughs> you know yeah. I, I don't think I'm the only one who uses that term uh, I think there are other people who say it too but um but yeah it's one of the reasons why it's helpful to do more than just go to class. I mean, of course you yeah. want to go to class. You have to do that, but yeah. it's helpful to kind of step beyond that. And you had so many quality experiences that I think really probably um, helped you. Uh, you mentioned how, how stressful it can be, you know, just working with the public, um, uh-huh. trying to get them connected. Like how, what do you do in terms of self-care to just kind of help yourself chill out? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, Because I, there was, I mean, something else to say for current grads. It's like, you go to school for 
however many, like 20 years. <laughs> and then it's like you graduate and you're thrown into the field where you're working five days a week, eight hours or more a day. And then you just like go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to sleep, go to work, come home and repeat. And it was just like so different for me, like, because yes, I was working. Yes, I had full-time jobs in the summer. Yes, I was doing that in the summer, but it's different when it's like, okay, this is my life now. Like I really got to figure out like something that I'm going to do because I lost band. I lost like all of the things I was doing in college. I was in a completely new place. So um, in terms of self-care, honestly, that's something I'm constantly working on because I really am not the best at it. But um, <laughs> I really like being outside. I like sitting outside on the deck. Um, we have a golden doodle and she, we got her in October of 2018, and she is literally the light of my life. I love her so much. Um, so anything to do with her, I'd love to be with her. Um, I hang out with friends. I And in this quarantine, I recently started making, doing some crafts. I have a cricket, and I make um, glitter tumblers because I really What's like a cricket? glitter. You a cricket? cricket? I thought you meant, like, crickets that yeah, turn outside. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> no it's like a it's like a craft machine you can like design something on the computer and then it prints vinyl so you can make like vinyl for water bottles or you can make like a bumper sticker or you oh, can cool. yeah it's cool you can make lots of stuff but you can people make cards with the cricket I don't know you can like put all these different types of material in it and then it cuts it for you you design okay. it on the computer and it cuts it for you so that's been really neat. a yeah. fun adventure Yes, you got a new a quarantine craft. Yes. Love it. Um, is there anything else that I didn't ask that you wanted to share? Um, or if not, is there any other closing advice that you have for students or new professionals? Just this is basically your open forum now. <laughs> <laughs> My open forum. Something that professors are always told us at our school was put in what you want to get out of it. So if you just want to go to class, do your homework, and repeat, I mean, you're not going to get as much out of your schooling as if you are involved in research projects, involved with talking to your professors, involved with, I don't know, you just apply yourself. It's so important. And something I always say to people going in college, especially whenever it's super hard, deep in the major, it feels like you're drowning and you don't know how you're going to get out somehow you do somehow some way you do so um kind of with work too it, it it's hard and it's an adjustment but just give yourself time to adjust and recognize hey this is like a big life change like I'm not in school anymore and it, it it's normal at least it was for me it's normal to be like I don't know what the heck I want to do I have no idea I just had this degree I know that I love my degree I know that I will talk about it all day I know I'm interested in all these things but do do I know what job I want no no clue but it all worked out somehow and that's the cool thing about HGFS because you can apply it in so many different ways yeah well thank you so much Lexi. yes thank you so much I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at my website, www.hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they are not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field of HDFS. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they're working outside of academia.
If you like this podcast and you want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.